Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Tonight, I will kill all of God, what? Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Beware the moon, David. Go now. Heaven help you. American Spook Show, bringing you the summer of the world. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. As always, I'm Josh and I'm joined here with my friends Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. Hey. Uh, it'll probably be on the rare occasion, honestly, that uh, Will is able to join us for these things, you know, because his work schedule and and hours don't jive very well, so maybe every once in a while he'll, he'll pop his head in on these like he did on the videos this past week, but uh, these probably, these in-between, uh, you know, Spook Show Spotlight episodes probably won't be with him, so he's not with us today. Um, but today we're going to be going over part two of our Spook Show Spotlight history of werewolves. So we, uh, you know, kind of uh, pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago. Uh, smoking. I think we kind of got up to the point where you know you were telling, you were talking about the early mythology of werewolves and everything from like, uh, uh, good lord, how far back did you? It was like 2100 BC or something <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, I think we went back all the way to the Epic of Gilgamesh, like 3000 BC. Yeah, <laughs> we had a what cave person transforming into a wolf. <laughs> yeah, basically, but not full on werewolf stories, but just the origins. Yeah. Of things that we kind of, I guess, a selection of wolf-related and man-wolf-related things from early folklore and early, well, not really folklore, but early stories like Norse mythology, Germanic mythology, that epic of Gilgamesh. Things that would, over the course of time, come down to us as the werewolf folklore once we got to the Middle Ages. So I guess we'll get a little bit more into that here in this episode. But I guess before we get much deeper into that, I'll go ahead and throw out the usual information for your listening pleasure before we <laughs> before we take a deeper a deeper dive into the history of werewolves and werewolf movies and everything um if you want to email us any comments or just you know anything at all you can do that at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at aa spook show of course we're on instagram facebook the slasher app that's relatively new for us we've been on there you know month and a half two months or so we have a youtube channel of course and a t public shop where you can get our logoed merchandise and uh, other cool designs we have there. You should be able to find all those things just by searching all American spook show, or you can go down into the show notes and I have our link tree link down there, which should link you to all those things that I just mentioned. You should be able to easily find us. Uh, every Tuesday we have new Patreon content that comes out and, and we talk about various things and, and do different things. That's exclusive to Patreon. The only way you can get that is become a patron um, and in, of course, our, our biggest segment over there is the Library of the Professor, where uh, the Professor Smoke takes a, a curated selection from his own private reserve and discusses it <laughs> there on the uh, at the Patreon minisode. So go uh, every Tuesday, you'll find those over on Patreon. And of course, every Thursday on YouTube, we now have our uh, newest series called Deadline Horror News, where you know we talk about the latest headlines and horror, box office report, you know, other random things that 
has have to do with the uh, the podcast or you know anything that interests us basically that comes out every thursday over on youtube so you, you know go check that out and uh like we've already announced you know here over the last few weeks we're finally to the point where we're coming out with new episodes every monday at 6 p.m east come and check us out you know wherever you uh you know if this is the first time you're listening to us uh go ahead and subscribe to the podcast uh, you know we'll have new episodes every week and we've got what what is this uh, episode sixty four? We've got sixty three previous episodes of content that go all the way back to October of twenty eighteen when we first started this thing. So, uh, tons of stuff to listen to and watch on uh, all our various ways. I guess Smoke, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll toss it over to you to kind of get us started here on uh, part two of the history of werewolves. Uh, I guess kind of starting up where we left off, kind of around the Middle Ages, right? Somewhere somewhere around there. Yeah, we'll go into. I guess we'll get into the primarily, I guess, European folklore on werewolves that kind of evolved around the same time as folklore and myths about vampires and witches and whatnot. So, so you had uh, a lot of people at that time, would, we already know about the vampires more, you know, werewolves developed around about the same, along the same lines as vampires. Of course, we don't have as much info, I guess, passed down to us as we do about vampires. Hence, how many vampire movies there are versus how many werewolf movies there were at the time, especially in the silent era. I mean, you had, a, you had more than a handful of vampire movies that came out. And, you know, people are more, I guess, drawn romantically to the mythology of vampires because uh, the mythology of werewolves is basically synonymous with the kind of madness, you know, things like the full moon. That was one, just one of the many things that would bring on that could, uh, you know, cause somebody to change into a wolf. There were, there were plenty more, but that was the one that kind of got latched on to, at least as far as when it came time to like, make werewolf movies. So, yeah, the full moon, you know, is just one of the ways in which Somebody might transform into a werewolf. There were a bunch of other odd, as far as like determining if somebody was a werewolf too back then. Now, if you cut into the skin, sometimes they cut into the skin on the arm, and underneath that cut would be like werewolf hair. Because one of the, I guess one of the pieces of folklore was that these the wolves would like transform. It wasn't kind of like in the movies where the hair just comes out of the skin. One of the ways they thought it was is that the skin would reverse itself, like inside out would be the werewolf, and they could turn their skin the other way and it would be human. So therefore, if you cut into the arm, you would see, you would see were, werewolf hair under there. It's a bit gruesome, you know, as far as, like, determining a werewolf, you know. I don't know how many people were, like, sliced open to see if they were werewolves or not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one too many, I'd say. Uh, yeah, because, uh, like I said, it kind of developed along the same lines as witchcraft did, so. And that we might have touched on that in the other episode, but uh, a lot of times people would you know, in the times of, like, witchcraft trials and whatnot over in Europe, same way they would with witches, they would, like, rat out their other people, you know, because they would be torturing them and whatnot and trying to get them to confess who else might be a werewolf or a witch or whatever. So, they just so I'm sure there was plenty of name. What's that? They just say, like, any name? Oh, yeah, Frank is, you know, <laughs> Frank's a yeah, fucking there was one werewolf. <laughs> I remember reading the neighbor, somebody that their neighbor, some, I, I don't know if they had a beef with this neighbor or what, was, oh, he's a werewolf, he's a werewolf. And so when they, you know, they get this guy in there and then he's like, no, no, he's a werewolf. So they kept like basically ratting out each other. I guess they had people they didn't like or whatever. <laughs> and then a lot, there was, of course, that, I mean, that happened with the witchcraft trials as well. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to being tortured, I guess you're going to, you're going to say something to, even though a lot of times it didn't help them, they still would get tortured anyway or, or get killed even yeah it was the old like uh oh. well if he t if he, if they turn into a witch right then we know they were lying kind of thing right but if uh yeah. 
But if they die, then oops. You know? <laughs> so I'm sure it's the same principle applies here, right? Yeah, there was also some eccentric sort of uh, indicators that somebody might be a werewolf. A unibrow was one. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if your eyebrows meet in the middle, that, that might be a sign that the person is a werewolf. <laughs> so NBA basketball star Anthony Davis is a werewolf. You've heard it here. <laughs> As well as Bird on Sesame Street. I knew that fucker was a werewolf. <laughs> oh, Bird. <laughs> I always had my suspicions, but now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something, like, there was a story that I saw from the, uh, in, uh, it was from the 16th century, where this guy, uh, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, like, the story a little bit, but it was a guy named Peter Stump, who, uh, oh, yeah. in uh, Cologne. Where, where is Cologne, by the way? Isn't that, like, that sounds like it's in Italy. Germany. Germany. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was there, and like apparently, uh, there was like a, a a short story or something like a pamphlet went out like after his death, that uh, apparently he claimed to have uh, been given a belt of wolfskin by the devil, which if you wore it, gave you the ability to change into a wolf, and then in in this wolf form. He said he had killed and eaten a dozen or so people over like the last twenty five years, and then uh, they, they described all these things in like grisly detail in this old pamphlet. But obviously, it's you know horseshit. But <laughs> uh, yeah, well, now that you mention that too, because I have some information on him as well. He, like you already mentioned, that he claimed to have killed was it a, at least a dozen people, right? Yeah, and he and, uh, and ate them. And he can, yeah, and he ate them, <laughs> or that's what he claimed to do. That's what yeah. he claimed anyway, and. uh Although, as I just talked about before, he he, he uh, I think he uh, divulged all this under torture too. Yeah, yeah, it does go on to mention that. Like, uh, although he did confess to this after a lengthy and hideous bout of torture, is what it says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they took they took like chunks of his flesh, you know, out. Probably, just the the article I read about this didn't mention why, but I assume I can only assume that it was like I said before when I was reading about the other folklore, probably trying to see if he had werewolf hair under his skin, you know. Yeah, <laughs> there's a nice little uh, uh, little line in here after that. It says, History doesn't record whether he explained how, uh, while he was a wolf, he managed to get the enchanted belt back off of himself <laughs> without having opposable thumbs. But regardless, he was brutally executed a few days later. Decapitated <laughs> on Halloween of, eight, of 1589. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. It's not a funny story, but it's a fucked up story that has comedy elements to it. <laughs> but yeah, like from what I can tell, like a lot of the, uh, you know, once again, not necessarily to go straight into film just yet, but like you can see where this is going. Like a lot of these, it's folklore, it's myth, it's like horseshit stories, you know, like <laughs> this guy, you know, that kind of led to, you know, the the stories that we know of today, you know, like the the, the werewolf and everything, if someone can be bitten by a werewolf and change into one or, you know, some, uh, like, uh, in the case of Wolf Cop where there was like a, yeah. a uh, basically kind of like a blood ritual, right? Like under the eclipse of the moon and they changed, like he wasn't necessarily bitten, right? They changed him into, into this for a reason, but you know, yeah, different for, variations of the story. Yeah. Yeah. The moon, like I said, the moon plays huge part in wolf folklore for the movie. I mean, that's probably one of the defining elements of it. I, the other one might be like a silver bullet thing to kill them, but that I'm not, that we haven't got to yet. Maybe we'll get to later as far as where that information came from. Because I'm I'm under the, under the assumption that I believe that it was the Wolfman movie, where the silver bullet or the silver in general 
came into play, but I'm going to have to do some more research on that in a further uh, episode of the History of Werewolves. But yeah, definitely the full moon was just one aspect that carried over into the film. And uh, besides that, though, they have a, the, the werewolf has a lot more, I guess, room to play than you didn't say vampires. Vampire folklore, is a, it's, it's rich, and it's, but it's really a, sim, a similar vein for vampires. Werewolves, you got like Native American spirituality of werewolves we haven't hit on yet, which was the whole uh, shape shifting. Not usually, not usually into like a anthropomorphic werewolf. Usually, those they, Native American folklore shifted into like just a full regular wolf, mm-hmm. where they would change, like uh, the movie Wolfen, for instance. So there's a lot of different cultures whose ideas go into werewolf folklore and mythology and come out in various ways in the film. It's refreshment time. And our refreshment stand is loaded with good things to eat. There's crispy, crunchy popcorn. And hot, delicious buttered popcorn. Lots of candy. And frosty, refreshing cold drinks. Why not treat yourself at the refreshment center now? And and a lot of these old stories that we've been going over, they kind of became, uh, they they kind of twisted and transformed into books and literature later on, like, into the 1800s and into the 1900s, right, which which eventually leads us into the uh, the era of film. Yeah, and just to, just to touch on some of those, I guess, literature, wolf folklore was uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Um, in Grimm's tales, a lot of the Grimm's brothers' tales dealt with wolves and whatnot in some form or other. But yeah, that would lead us up into, if we're leading up into the, the film there now, then we're talking about a movie that we've already mentioned, I know we mentioned it on the uh, Wolfman episode itself. The Werewolf, I believe it's called, right from 1913. Yeah, that's the one that got was, like got burned up in 1924, right? The one that we were talking about. Yes, unfortunately, it was it was an 18-minute silent film, silent short or whatever. That uh, Universal, I don't think they actually physically produced it, but they distributed it, mm-hmm. and it was stored in their one of their warehouses that yeah burned up, unfortunately, in 1924. Unless there was another copy out there that just hasn't surfaced yet. Chances of that seeing that ever yeah. probably slim and none. Which yeah. is it, which is entirely possible, you know, like some random old movie house or something might have it somewhere. You never know. Yeah, it, it has happened. I mean, it's happened a few times with the silent films they thought were lost, but a copy showed up somewhere. Yeah, they find Thankful. it like in the attic or the basement of some old uh, theater somewhere, or in the professor's library. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I got that werewolf copy laying right here. Shit, that's yeah, where it is. Second. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and blowing the dust off of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's right here underneath my uh, 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 Hall of Justice from uh, uh, yeah. Super Friends, right here. I was using this as a base for Jan. And, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think at first, like were- werewolf movies and and these type of things, they weren't extremely successful, right? Like it passed like no. this 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 uh, the werewolf, and then there were some others, right? before we eventually got to The Wolfman in 1941. Yeah, it, actually, in that werewolf movie that I was talking about, that one wasn't, it is, it's a werewolf movie, but it, like I was talking about the Native Americans, that movie was like, based on that Native American folklore of a, it was a woman who's passing on her, what do you call it, I guess, uh, shape-shifting abilities to a daughter. So she's kind of, you know, it's not, it's not what we think of today as a werewolf transformation type movie where her daughter would turn into this anthropomorphic werewolf and start stalking people or whatever. It was more in tune with the Native American folklore on wolf. You think think the movie Wolfen, in a way, I mean, sort of mm-hmm. that type of wolf. And then what in uh, France, there was a another silent short called Loop Garou, 
which ties into <laughs> Wolf Cop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lugaroo. Yeah, but that, that's kind of a deep cut, though, isn't it? Like you know, most people probably wouldn't know that. No, and, you know, you nah. mentioned that. You'd like, probably be either you'd read something about Lugaroo, or you are are seriously into werewolf folklore and movies and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you casual horror fan probably wouldn't have gotten, wouldn't have just caught that. Although they might have heard it. And then heard the name Lugaroo and say that sounds like something, but I can't really play it. <laughs> From what I could tell in my notes, or something that I saw here, was basically like the first big mainstream Hollywood movie to feature a werewolf was actually Werewolf of London in 1935, right? Like that was the first somewhat successful werewolf movie, right? Yep, and that was a Universal Studios film. That was the first, I guess you could call it that, the first Universal Wolfman movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that was only what about four. Three or four years after Dracula, right? Wasn't Dracula 1931, I think? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that would have only been four years later. Yep. So that, so ver- so that version is te- even- technically kind of like the original Wolfman of the Universal Monsters, right? Yeah, yep. And uh, who was it that played uh, Henry Hull? I think that's the actor's name that played the Wolfman in that movie. Yeah. Actually, the uh, the make uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now on the makeup guy's name. The main the makeup you know the guy that did Frankenstein's makeup. Oh too. yeah, I just happened to see that here. It was a uh, makeup effects master Jack Pierce. Jack Pierce, that's it. Yeah, he yeah. created the Wolfman makeup for Werewolf of London. But Henry Hall, it was a detail. It was it's basically the same makeup that Lon Chaney would use in the Wolfman. He created that effect for you know in 1935 for Henry Hall and in, in uh, Werewolf of London. But Henry Hall, being like a a big actor at the time and whatnot, he he didn't want to have his face that obscured by all the all the makeup so he's he he didn't agree to do that particular application so they went with a more minimalist i guess uh application for his makeup and then uh jack pierce would take that design though and use it for lon cheney and the wolfman yeah i actually uh pulled up i see a picture of it they're like it's not horrible looking it's just it's different than uh lon cheney jr's wolfman i mean you can tell there's a big difference between the two but it doesn't look too bad you know the look of it. I just kind of call it minimalist, I guess, because of yeah, Henry, Henry Hall to have his face more visible. Yeah, like you, you look at Lon Chaney Jr.'s Wolfman, it's like a whole head of hair, right? Like he's got hair covering ninety percent of his face. But this yeah. one, yeah, it's it's just like <laughs> it's almost like Wolverine's hairdo, almost. You know, it's just like yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. brushed back with uh, sideburns, and then he's got the teeth yeah. and everything. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's definitely I like I like that look though. I mean I like I, I, Lon Chaney's look is iconic as the Wolfman, but I kind of like that minimalist look for that particular movie. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't want that to be the main werewolf look that you think of. But for that movie, I think it kind of worked. But th- then I know they made and now I think we mentioned this when we were doing the Wolfman. They made some I can't remember whether that was before or after it actually, but it was She Wolf of London, right? It was kind of like a sequel to Werewolf of London, but that one didn't. Yeah. I don't remember whether that was before or after Wolfman off the top of my head, uh, but it's clear to see that like things didn't really pick up for this particular character or you know werewolves in movies until they made the Wolfman in 1941. Yeah, that's that is pretty much the quintessential. Everything else we've talked about up to this point, as far as werewolves in cinema or even werewolves in the folklore, that's where it all culminated. As far as from that point going forward, pretty much defined the wolf, the werewolf. To you know, for the next generation of moviegoers, I guess you'd say, as far as the full moon, silver, 
being bitten by one turns turns somebody into a werewolf. Now, all that folklore, even though a lot of the, the basis for it came from the previous things we had mentioned back in medieval times and even before, it just kind of culminated in cinema right there with that movie. And, and a lot of other people, a lot of further werewolf movies would take those items and run with run with some of them and add to it or whatever. And ironically, like you mentioned it there with the moon or whatever, I think we mentioned it during the Wolfman episode where like I think they talk about the moon, but you never actually see the moon in the movie. Remember? Oh yeah. <laughs> the entire mo- movie. Like I think it's something yeah. they mentioned something about it, right? Like in that little poem that she keep they keep reciting. Don't they say something about the moon? But like you never actually see the moon. No, and <laughs> I don't know why. They, I don't know why they didn't. No, yeah. <laughs> I guess they never got a good shot of the moon, so they're like, "Fuck it, well, let's, let's leave it out." <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's plenty of movies that would come later, and then there's plenty of opportunity. I would think for them that that's a very very cool visual, especially in those uh, like black and white gothic films of the moon, you know, over the moors or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know why they didn't try and do something like that. But they didn't. So, so now that we've le- got up to you know the time of when the Wolfman came out, I guess we can kind of leave it there. We'll put a pin in, uh, in the conversation, and we can continue on past the Wolfman. Maybe kind of you know we don't go too deep into it, but we can kind of lead us up to current day where we are, you know, or at least up until the the kind of werewolf heyday of the '80s, right? Because there's probably a lot of yeah. stuff to talk about there once you get to the '80s, as far as uh, werewolf oh, yeah. films. At probably the next episode, we could have people maybe look forward to a quick mentions, maybe glancing over Hammer's involvement with werewolf films, the, the, you know, the British studio Hammer films. Yeah. And then uh, the Spanish movies of uh, Paul and Nashie. We can touch on those at least, because I, I think those are kind of important to werewolf yeah. lore in the cinema. And then, of course, uh, there's plenty of ones that we won't get to that are just offshoots or whatever that maybe we can put out there somewhere, you know, on the maybe in the notes on the. Uh, one of these episodes on YouTube or something. I'll try and I'll compile a list of werewolf movies that maybe we won't have time to talk to, but we can put out there anyhow. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that's what the summer of the wolf is all about. Like we'll put out all kinds of, uh, uh, content, even on our socials and stuff and, uh, get, get you more information about werewolf movies than you can handle here. <laughs> so like, uh, t- tons of stuff. out. I mean, like, like I said, we're only, we've done two episodes now, and we just now got to the point where, like, all right, you know, you, you, your first couple of real serious werewolf movies. Tons to talk about throughout the mid-20th century leading up to the 80s and then, you know, to today. So uh, we'll have some more information and uh, more history and background for you on the uh, in two weeks on History of Werewolves Part 3. That will come out, uh, let's see, Monday, July 26th, episode 66. So look forward to that. We'll have more on that. And, uh, of course, that... That also leads us to, don't ignore next Monday, An American Werewolf in London will be coming out. That That's our next movie review episode. So I, I'm looking forward to uh, us getting to talk about that one. So that, that's going to be a lot oh, yeah. of fun. So, all right, I mean, did you guys have anything else you want to point out here before we close up this episode? Or is that is that a good place to leave it? No, I think we're, uh, yeah, I think that's a good good spot to uh, pick back up, you know, in, uh, in part three. All right, then, so... Uh, For Donnie and the Professor, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show podcast. Come back next week for An American Werewolf in London. And then in two weeks, our next Spook Show Spotlight, History of Werewolves, Part 3. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.